campiel.ca newsroom for this week marty thompson with charlie o'connor clark benedict rhodes and brady reed christian is off this week enjoying a nice vacation with his family which brings us to our opening question if you had to vacation with any one person from the campiel universe who would you who would it be and where would you go charlie you sort of perked up when i asked this question before we hit record so you're going first did i all right uh only because I've actually got an answer. Because I think that it would be really cool to like go to Spain with Mista, just have him kind of take me around, show me Madrid, stuff like that. Because he knows the sites, he knows where to go. It's always good to go to a country with like a tour guide, somebody who knows what they're doing. And I think it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> just pure Mista vibes. Pure exactly. Mista vibes. It's all vibes. Benedict. <laughs> I was actually going to say the exact same thing. So I'm going to switch no my way. answer. I'm going to say, actually, was. I'm going to say a cross country trip with Anthony Novak sounds pretty good, too. <laughs> Prepare for the skinny dipping. Prepare oh, for the God. skinny dipping. Brady. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, first of all, beautiful haircut, Charlie. That has to be acknowledged oh. before we move on. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with. Uh, I- I've always wanted to go to the to the UK, go to a Premier League game, do the full match day experience, do a pub. So I feel like if I bring Rob Gale with me, it's just going to be a better time, isn't it? It has to be. But yeah, then you have to go be... see Arsenal play, probably, which would kind of suck. <laughs> we cut that out. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> we could, we could, yeah, we could come back to that. I mean, with with Rob Gale, it would be a long trip. It would be a long trip. He knows a lot of people. He knows a lot of people. Okay, let's get to mm-hmm. for my money the big money a uh, big match uh, of the weekend. Atletico Ottawa beating Halifax two to one at home at TD Place. Twelve thousand fans plus in attendance there. Um, Benedict, this was your game to cover for the website. Uh, I know Charlie and other people have mentioned on this podcast. We've had players mention this that this game could be a big, you know, boost uh, something to galvanize around for for the rest of the season. Did Ottawa get that with that late Brian Wright winner? Yeah, I'd say so. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's the second biggest crowd in Canadian Premier League history. Over 12,000 fans were there. Uh, I think only beaten by the, the first ever game. Um, and you, you could tell that they were feeding off that through the whole game. Malcolm Shaw, as, as we'll get to, talked after the game about how much they needed that support. And uh, I think that, that's definitely be a, a turning point. And a much needed three points as well and a, and a very good performance. But also on such a historic day at TD Place as well, of course. So sort of everything you could ask for if you're an Atletico Ottawa player or a fan. Yeah, and then we we thought we thought Mista was going to be suspended for this game, and he wasn't. So he was able to provide some Mista vibes uh, adequately after the game. Uh, Charlie, this has been a long time coming, right? This team has been in a very difficult situation, and Mista has, frankly, for a very long time. And there was just something just about how this all came together, right? Yeah, I don't think you could really script this better. I mean, how many times have we seen this very same Ottawa team? kind of go to pieces at the end of games this year, right? They've given up a lot of leads late. They've just kind of tired. They've they've kind of crumpled in the late stages. But in this game, they're at home, again, with that big crowd behind them. And they just keep pushing forward against a good Halifax team. And they're just getting more and more from the game as it goes on. And just that winner finally came. And it's just, you feel just this wave of emotion around that team, around the supporters in the stands, that just finally something has gone right for them, right? Because uh, it's been a difficult start to the season. They've had, you know, so many suspensions, injuries, whatever. Just games haven't gone the right way for them. Lots of silly mistakes and stuff that have kind of made them drop points. And just at last, I mean, <laughs> you could see it in everybody's faces after the game. 
Uh, Mista especially, just the biggest grin I've ever seen on a guy's face in my life. <laughs> Mista Vibes is ready to go to Spain. Exactly. Well, he doesn't need to go to Spain. He's staying here for a long time, staying in Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was just such a such a good day for that club though, and one that's really been uh, eighteen months in the making. Yeah, it's 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 been a wild ride. We're gonna talk about Akeem Garcia briefly here too, Brady, but Benedict, Alberto Soto stuck out to you after the game. I know he's a player that we've all been kind of waiting patiently to to sort of burst from the seams, and it looks like he really did that on Ottawa. Can you talk a little bit about his performance for those who who didn't see the match? Yeah, I, th- I think he's worth the wait. I think like uh, as Misa said, he's never really played in sort of a, a deeper midfield kind of role. Usually, he's more of a, sort of an attack-minded player, but. I think I think he thrived in that role. He he's always calling for the ball. He was sort of dropping into spaces to to get the ball. He always wanted it, and uh, his, his passing was good. He, he led the team in tackles and clearances, I believe, as well. So his defending was good as well. And uh, I think that Eminem and M trio might, might not be playing very many games more together if uh, if Soto wants to keep playing like that. <laughs> I think I think that's okay. What do you guys think about the Eminem and M boys maybe not uh, happening as frequently uh, moving forward? I just feel like they're all too similar. Yeah, so I, really I thought the same up, thing. Right? Yeah. I thought the same thing when we saw like Chris Manella trying to play as maybe more of a number ten. I was like, that's not really his position naturally, right? So you know, three very good players to rotate through maybe two positions or something like that is not a bad problem to have. All right, we'll go to our East Coast correspondent here for Halifax. Akeem Garcia gets off the board here, Brady uh, off the penalty. Um, your thoughts on on maybe him specifically, and then what else you saw from from the Wanderers that day. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we've talked about this so many times this season, just about, you know, strikers who, who have been struggling getting that first goal and how important it's been for them down the stretch. I guess we'll see what happens with Akeem, but, I mean, a penalty is a great opportunity to break that. I, I think a little kudos to them for, for giving him the opportunity to to convert despite his struggles. I think, you know, they're a team that realizes if, if they need to turn it around or, sorry, if they're going to turn it around, Akeem's going to start scoring goals too, right? So there's... There's that relationship there where, you know, they're helping him out, but at the same time, they know that they're going to need him down the stretch here. And so obviously the result doesn't go their way. It's, it's funny. It's, it's almost the opposite of the reverse fixture in Halifax where, you know, where Ottawa take a one nothing lead and then, and then Halifax mm-hmm. come back and score twice. So this is going to be interesting. Obviously both of them right now are, are pretty, pretty far are, are out of the playoff picture, but by some standard right now, but you know, these games are going to be important for the two of them. And I think, Sneakily, from from being in the in the game in Wanderers grounds, like there has the potential to be a little bit of a rivalry here. I mean, they are the two closest geographical teams out east, so it's it's something to keep an eye on for sure. It's funny you mention that because the Halifax Wanderers set to play AS Blainville in the Canadian Championship, mm-hmm. a game I'm super pumped for. That's on Tuesday night, six thirty Eastern time, seven thirty Atlantic. Uh, even closer than Ottawa. Uh, Blaine is from Quebec. That's going to be a very exciting game. We're going to talk about the Canadian Championship uh, quite a bit here later on in the show, but we have to talk about Forge FC and CONCACAF League. Somehow this wasn't our number one match uh, in our rundown. Uh, three goals for Forge on the road, technically, against CD Fast. Uh, CD Fast got one in that one. Uh, Charlie, you're our correspondent for this game. Lights out performance. Um, lights out performance. Oh, the lights no. went out at the end of the game. Oh, no. If you didn't see it, the lights went out. At, was that at like 80? It was like the 85th minute, and the lights went out for like 20 minutes. And we were just kind of sitting there. Props to Adam Jenkins on the one soccer broadcast. He just kind of sat there and filled time. He was like a late night sports radio host, just kind of taking calls and 
taking tweets from people, reading emails from CONCACAF verbatim on air. It was awesome. <laughs> he did a great yeah, job. Gonna, he did a really great job. And we're going to go to Barry and, uh, and Miramichi. What do you have to say, Barry? <laughs> yeah, okay, pretty man. much. Um, but yeah, this game, you know, Tim Horton's field looked a lot different in this game, certainly, because it was apparently a home <laughs> game for Forge. But uh, yeah, all, all kidding aside, this is a just a fantastic performance from Forge against one of the best teams in El Salvador who I think won the Clausura Championship in El Salvador last year. They're undefeated so far in the league. Actually, that might have changed. I haven't checked what they're, what happened in their game on Saturday. But uh, they're a very good team with some, you know, some international pedigree, a few guys with El Salvador caps. And Forge was just the better team the whole way through, right? I think we, we need to talk about Tristan Borges, who yeah. is back, it looks like. That was the best game he's played this year, probably by far, for Forge. Yeah. And I mean, they were missing Kyle Becker in this game. They didn't have Bobby Smyrniotis on the sideline. All the other guys that have been missing for a significant period of time. And there was just no problem. Forge is really settling into this competition. And every time we seem to see them play down in the CONCACAF League, they're better. They know what they're doing. They know what they're here for. And this was just a really professional kind of knockout game performance. It, oh, we should talk about Tristan, like you said. It, mm -hmm. it, it, he's a difference maker, right? And and that's another thing we've talked quite a bit about Brady. But Charlie, like, it, it's just great to see someone like that have that ability in Concacaf, right? And to be able to do that. And we're going to talk a lot about what it's like to play down there. But but can you talk a little bit about Tristan's performance in this game and how ultimately it really was the difference? Yeah, it absolutely was, and I, I think maybe there is something to the effect that because it's a different competition, the stakes are a little higher, the margins are a little slimmer, that can maybe bring something out of a player. You know, when you're kind of coming into a season with a team, maybe you ease in a little bit, you take things a little bit more slowly because the team is playing well around you, and you know that you can kind of work up to speed, and eventually, hopefully, by the end of the season when it comes to the playoffs and whatnot, you'll be in top form. But when you get into a knockout round game like this in a competition that, to be honest, I think is probably Forge's priority. Uh, when you get into a game like this, he's able to find that extra gear, which we maybe haven't seen yet this season, because he was, you know, just making a lot of those runs that sometimes he might have backed off on a little bit earlier when maybe the confidence wasn't quite there as much. He's making those runs in behind. He's finding those those pass outlets. And just that it, this was the Tristan Borges we grew to know in 2019, right? The guy who can take over a game and can you know, find those scoring opportunities. And it really was a lot of fun to see. Just another quick thought on Forge. If you haven't listened to the Kyle Becker uh, interview with with Christian, uh, find it in your podcast feed, find it on YouTube, uh, Beyond the Pitch with, with Kyle Becker. Near the end of it, they start talking a little bit about CONCACAF League. And a quote from Kyle that really stuck out to me was, you know, there's space out there when you're down in Central America on the pitch. You just need to be confident enough to be able to find it. And I think this was a game, Brady, that that Forge was ultimately confident enough to finally have that that sort of that that marauding presence, that that forward thinking mentality that, you know, frankly, as we've seen over two years, um, this team has just grown and grown and grown to that point. Yeah, oh, there was there was a lot of space in the team, actually, for a for a first leg of a two leg tie mm -hmm. in knockout football, like. It was open. It was fun to watch. There was it was three to one, but there was way more chances than that at both ends, honestly. And I think just you know for a neutral, that's that's a delight. But for Forge, like you know, Charlie kind of mentioned this. Like 
not to at all suggest they're not motivated by by CPL play right now, be it Tristan or the whole team, but you know, like they've had two cracks at this and, and, and they they made a pretty decent run, especially last year. So I think obviously they've done they've done in the league we all know that it's something that they kind of want to add to their to their cv if you will and for tristan he's a guy who's obviously had a ton of success in, in 2019 specifically so if this is that extra bit of motivation that they needed to maybe carry over into the league then by all means it's it, it's a good problem to have for them and uh quickly benedict did you send the email to one soccer about making sure that we have a mic uh in the bench of forge <laughs> for every single Concacaf league game did you send that email <laughs> <laughs> we need one next to David Edgar specifically in every game. Yeah, I mean, awesome. it was, that, yeah, Benedict, I know you're really enjoying some of the play-by-play from the bench there with that mic that was just, seemed to be maybe just on the outside of the bench pointing in. But, I mean, it was, frankly, it was just interesting to listen into to the things that they would react to. Like, Charlie, I know you wrote quite a bit about the physicality in this game on the website. And, like, you know, it, it like it's, it's a CONCACAF League game. You're going to get a lot of that. But, like, how the bench reacted to each individual moment I found fascinating. <laughs> Benedict. Yeah, definitely. I think you think you said in our group chat, like it's almost like they had lav mics like on their shirt. Like it was like it was like, right down their face. It was, it, was, it was fascinating, right? Like I think that's something we maybe haven't had as much since fans have started coming back to stadiums. Like when, when stadiums were empty, we could hear every single word the players were saying. So it's kind of cool to get that uh, even more <laughs> uh, insight, I guess, into what they're talking about and uh, maybe tactically as well. I will be sure Forge will be pointing the mic far away from their bench uh, for leg two. <laughs> I yeah. don't think they want CD Bass listening in too much. Um, Charlie, what can we expect from leg two uh, coming up uh, this week? Uh, wh- what do you really anticipate out of this? And, and maybe from Forge's perspective as well, can we expect them to maybe hunker down, try to get a result or, or try to play for it? Yeah, so this this second game is really just about you know, getting the job done. I think maybe Forge comes out in this game and tries to put another goal on the board and put things to bed. But at the end of the day, it's really about just managing the tie and making sure that, you know, not only you come out of it with the win, but you come out of it intact, right? You don't want any injuries. You certainly don't want to get maybe sucked into any shenanigans, which we can kind of see towards the end of these sorts of CONCACAF League knockout games. We don't want any red cards or anything like that coming out at the end of this game, which would obviously hamstring Forge heading into the quarter round of 16, I think is the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it'll, it'll really be about just, you know, showing you've been there before being a little bit professional and just the way that you see this out, you want to find a goal or two you want to just, but you made mainly more than anything else. You just want to stay pretty solid, stay professional, stay calm throughout the whole thing. And I think just see out this tie because they've done most of the, most of the offensive work that they needed to do in that first leg. Tuesday night, 10, 15 Eastern time forge versus CD fast leg two. Uh, that'll be again on one soccer, all these games on one soccer, get those lab mics back, get them. <laughs> we need it. Okay. Switching to the Canadian championship. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about the upcoming uh, games coming up as well, but we did have one tie this weekend that opened the tournament. Uh, Cavalry beating FC Edmonton two to nil. That happened last night as a recording on Sunday. Charlie, you you were our correspondent for this one. Tommy Wilden Jr. at midweek said his team was like a Swiss Army knife. That was quite apt. But which yeah. tool was used on Sunday? Yeah, well, he said they were Swiss on on Wednesday or whatever it was, but on Sunday he said they were Italian, because um, he kind of An Italian yeah, knife? not even, even yeah, I don't know. He well, basically, 
<laughs> I was asking Tommy about that kind of that first half against Edmonton. He said that they played a little bit like those Italian teams of old, where they just were very patient with the ball and they tried to just hold on to possession, suck defenders in, and then maybe look to play in behind. Um, and I thought they were kind of doing that a little bit, and then they would get it out to the wings and they would look to play in those crosses, which didn't go super well for the first maybe 25 minutes, but eventually Jose Escalante pings one in that is just perfect right on the head of Jose Hernandez for he, I mean, he wins that aerial duel really well. Uh, it puts it off the crossbar and then Joe Mason is just in perfect position. Uh, but this is, this is cavalry. I mean, they, I think Alan Koch said it best after the game that they're a step ahead of Edmonton right now in terms of, you know, their chemistry and their flexibility and their depth because Edmonton is still building. There's, there are a lot of new players, uh, on the pitch that in that game. And I think we're going to talk about that in a second, but just to stay on cavalry for a second, they just seem to have a little bit more of an understanding of how to maybe see out a knockout game like this and just stay a little bit comfortable in a game like that, where I think maybe there were chances at both ends. Edmonton had some great ones, but you know, cavalry defended very well. I think Edmonton, like two thirds of their shots came from outside the box because this is just cavalry was pretty much in control for a lot of this. Uh, Brady, we've seen this, you know, back three, whatever you want to call it. Cavalry playing with three center backs. Uh, at midweek, they played with Dan Klomp, uh, David Norman Jr., and Krefa Yao. And then uh, for this game, they brought in Mason Trafford. This group, what, whatever seems, whatever uh, three center backs they pick, it's quite an intimidating bunch. Like, what makes this group work so well for you that they're able to get, you know, back to back clean sheets uh, in, in difficult positions, frankly? Yeah, I think, I think it's balanced. To be honest, I, I think I, a lot of the the personnel, like you said, it's it's four guys that are kind of interchanging there. But you know, Trafford and Klomp kind of have that skill set where they can provide a little bit of stability. And obviously, David Norman naturally uh, a, a holding midfielder who who loves to tackle, so he can he can kind of be all over the place sometimes and, and, and sort of winning those balls. And then of course, uh, we'll, we'll get into Kriefial and the way he, he was able to shut down Bustos in a little bit more detail, but. He was almost this kind of, you know, this false left back and, and, and prevented Bustos from creating too much. And the, the great thing about all three of them is they're all very physical, but they can all play as well. Like they're, they're, they can all pick it out a pass, be it, you know, like you said, yesterday it was more about just like, you know, dictating play, maintaining possession. But then we've seen, you know, when they want to try to stretch teams like Pacific, they can play that long ball. Dan Klomp certainly has that in his locker. I think, you know, Kriefi, yeah. Al has has definitely shown strides in that department when when he's been leaned on a little bit more. So I think at the end of the day, it's about you know like yes, they're physical and they're intimidating, but you know like that they can truly play as well and, and they can kind of beat you in, in in several ways. Which like we said, they, they get a clean sheet against Edmonton, they get a clean sheet against Pacific, two very different sides, and they come up with the same result. We'll get to Edmonton again briefly in the nil nil report, which is uh, is is at the end of our show. <laughs> uh for a reason uh yeah. benedict you're you're you you, uh, you covered fc edmonton uh, uh, on the game on uh at midweek and you know this is a team that's changing quite rapidly they actually you know have, have been chopping and changing adding some players you know Vela left thomas gardner went back uh to university and they've added a few more players like it, it's it's a team that's actually kind of for some for, for some measure you know evolving as as we're seeing this right yeah, I think some of the new additions look to be really good too. Like uh, Adam Najem looked really, really good, but I think I said that he, he looks a little bit hesitant sometimes. Maybe, maybe it's just a chemistry thing. But 
so I think sometimes like he looks like he's an eye for a pass or, or an eye for a shot, but then maybe he just doesn't isn't willing to take that take that pass or shot. So these new these new uh, arrivals look look really good. Uh, this is just a matter I think of, of building that chemistry with one another. And Alan Koch did say as much midweek. It's just sorry not Alan Koch, uh, Lars Hirschfeld in the post game press conference said that uh, like they just need to sort of play together a bit more. And and when they do, this team has potential to be a really good team. Okay, on to the nil nil report. We don't have the. We should have like a big, nice news stinger. That'd be nice. Two nil nilers at midweek. Uh, we'll talk about them briefly here. Pacific versus Cavalry FC on Wednesday. Uh, Brady, we'll turn to you on this one. Though Charlie did say this game was going to be great. Uh, yeah, it wasn't it? Wasn't as great as expected. Okay, Charlie. I'm ahead. not the only one that thought that though. I know. I know. We all <laughs> thought it. We all thought it. But I mean, ultimately, a great game from from both defenses, uh, both defensive units. Um, as you already mentioned, Kreefi Yao really shutting down Marco Bustos. He didn't have much to, to do and to say in this game. And overall, it was just a, a solid matchup, I suppose, of two of the best uh, teams in the league. Brady. Yeah, you know, I'm going to. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely Charlie's fault that this game fell flat. Let's see yeah. that is. Right? <laughs> okay, <that's> um, <laughs> no, I mean, this stuff happens. Like, we. We've actually been very fortunate in this league where, you know, when you, you plug the big game all week and then it falls flat, it happens in the Premier League, it happens in the major leagues, but we, we haven't seen a lot of that. But I don't think it was, it wasn't the least entertaining game I've ever seen just because, like we said, the defensive performances were just so strong. For for Pacific, obviously, Callum Irving, I believe he was Gatorade man of the match. He he had quite a performance while, you know, Carducci kind of had a quiet afternoon. We kind of pondered giving him a shout for player of the week, but then we were like, oh, he actually didn't touch the ball very often. So we went with David Norman, but I think that was just credit to that back three in general. It could have been any of those guys. And and I think like we said, to, to be able to, you know, give a guy a, a break and, and, and kind of not look like there's, a, there's any issues there. It's, it's a very seamless transition for that back line. I think Cavalry would probably be the happier of the two teams. So I think that's fair to say, but they're, they're mm-hmm. at the top of the table. So that's, that's why they're, you know, that's why they're able to, Field a pretty strong team against Edmonton because they like their spot on the table. They don't have to rotate too much and they can prioritize the Canadian Championship, right? So I think I, if I was Tommy Wielding, I'd be pretty happy with that nil-nil, whether it was the most entertaining game or not. And and yeah, Pacific really struggled to create too many chances. And Charlie, this is something yeah. Tommy Wielding Jr. touched on after the game, along with the Swiss-Italian, French-Army uh, knife or whatever. Uh, it, they want Spruce Medals to be a really difficult place to play at. And you know, we talked a little bit about Starlight Stadium being that in the early goings of the season, but you know, just looking at the crowds that again that continue to show up there week after week, and it's been fa- it's been a fantastic atmosphere. Uh, Christian was there actually during this game, oh, but yeah. you know, they really wanted to make make it a difficult environment, and it kind of seems to be that. Yeah, it absolutely is, and I think it was obviously in 2019 as well, and it's kind of nice to see that coming back. But yeah, you've got that that kind of red wall down at the one end. It just always seems packed, and it's just an incredible sight. Um, it's nice and noisy at Spruce Meadows. I know that they've put in a, I think they've put in a new pitch there with, mm-hmm. with the grass, uh, and it's probably one of the one of the better surfaces in the CPL to play on. Um, but you know, it's different from what a lot of the other clubs are used to. So that's you know another thing that Cavalry have going for them, and it's just it is definitely becoming a fortress. You know, it, it helps that Cavalry themselves are a very tough team to play against no matter where they are. They were in Winnipeg, they were in PEI, and they have been on the road in the last few weeks. They're a very hard team to break down. They're not going to give you a lot of space with the ball. And, you know, they, they really are kind of buying into that idea of, you know, we're not going to let teams attack us. We're not going to let teams score on us. 
at Spruce Meadows, just it's not going to happen. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see what the home records will be at the end of this season if Calvary is not near the top, if not the top. Okay, to to close out the nil-nil report, FC Edmonton versus Valor on Thursday. Benedict, you were our eyes and ears for this one. Uh, Looks like Valor's just ready to go home to Winnipeg. They're ready to go. It's been it's been a it's been a tough slog on the road here, and you know, obviously being in the hotel in Winnipeg itself, it just looks like they're ready for a rest. Yeah, they said this as much after the game as well. Like uh, Massa didn't only really finish the question where I said, Are "You ready to go back home to Winnipeg?" He was instantly yes. Rob uh, <laughs> Gale as well said as well. Like they, it's been pretty much eight nine weeks away from their families for the most part with the bubble, and then the, the two week road trip as well coming out of this. Um, so they're, they're excited to get back or they are back now. They play tonight against Pacific at home. Uh, yeah, they, they, they need, I think, something positive to spark them. And I think maybe a trip back to IG Field will do the same thing it did for Ottawa. Maybe maybe give them a chance to sort of pick up a, a big win and, and sort of break, I think it's five games in a row now without a win. And only one draw in that span as well. Yeah, and, and we could talk a bit about this game at Clark Field. You know, just lethargic, it seemed. You know, it, it seemed like a kind of a difficult slog for both teams. What's your thoughts on FC Edmonton coming out of this one? I know we talked a little bit about them from Calvary, but, uh, you know, it looks like East Nongaro came close. Then he was carded for simulation. It just looked like it was just a difficult, difficult game overall. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a goalkeeper's game, I think. Um, both, both of them came up pretty big. Um Matt Silva as well, especially made some huge saves, especially at the end uh, to deny Matthew Durans or Durans um, right right at the end there, and and uh, there's a couple couple moments of magic from the goalkeepers, but for, for the most part, shots were from outside the box, and and it was, it was both both teams were kind of you said maybe maybe a little tired, maybe uh, needed a a game that sort of refreshed, I guess a little maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, as you mentioned, Valor back in action Monday night as we're recording this 8 p.m. Eastern time. It's tonight uh, on One Soccer. All right, that, that pretty much wraps up what we've got to talk about this week. We'll do uh, play a little predictor game, but we should mention that the Canadian Championship, this is big. Yeah, we've got obviously we've got Halifax Wanderers versus Blake, but we talked about that. But the big game, I think, is York United versus Masters Football of League One Ontario on a Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. That is a perfect game to happen between two uh, GTA rivals, soon to be rivals. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be really it's, cool. It's, it's going to be a blast. I mean, what we've seen previously, uh, and I'm not sure who will want to jump on this, maybe maybe even Brady. Like we've seen Vaughn Azuri when they played the Wanderers uh, in 2019 at a League One, and they really gave it to them. Of course, there were some really good players on the pitch that day, including Alistair Johnson, who played for Vaughn, uh, obviously now playing playing against Mexico and some of the best in the <laughs> in the Confederation. But, um, you know, there are some really talented players and Masters has a has a has an interesting history as well of having, you know, a lot of really tenured senior players that, you know, who knows, could yeah. give York York a go. Right. Yeah, well, I, it's funny. I just spoke to their coach recently, and, and they're super motivated for this. Obviously, you know, winning the league in 2019 and then not having the opportunity to run it back last year and, and have to wait so long for the Canadian Championship. They're they're patient, like you said. They're they're a very veteran group, especially for for League One Ontario. But they're they're not nervous about this game. Like they're they're really excited, and I think, like you said, it's going to be an interesting one. And you know, Alistair Johnson is such a good example. Like he's two years ago, he's he's playing in this competition and. And actually, one of the players on Halifax, like I said, like, you know, we were talking a little bit about the uh, the Canadian Championship, and he's like, 
he's like that that's the guy from von missouri who plays for canada that was two years ago he's gone from that league to now you know he's he's an absolute lock for herman i'm like yeah that's him so it's just you know it's honestly that's why this competition exists right you can you can climb the canadian soccer pyramid so quick and and like you said i'm really excited for saturday but the blameville halifax is interesting too because i think halifax have four or five ex Blainville players so it'll be something of a reunion out there too I'm glad you mentioned that. If you flip it back to Blainville 2019 when they played uh, York 9, uh, that was in the mm-hmm. opening weeks of the CPL season. You know, Kerry Ivanovich from Halifax saw the pitch that day. Mo Farsi saw the pitch as well. Uh, I'm trying to think. There, there were multiple players that that that's hot. Maybe mm-hmm. even Kareem So was was in and around yeah, there. There's maybe. tons of players to to watch out for. And Masters is a great example. As you mentioned, they've got a couple. They've got a couple former Jamaica internationals in their team. And yeah, they've got mm-hmm. a, they've recruited quite well within League One. <laughs> they've decided to go very much senior rather than than junior, which is uh, yeah. yeah, which should make for a good game. And then also we have Ottawa uh, a Valor uh, again. That's also on Saturday, seven p.m. Uh, Eastern time. And then frankly, the big one. I think we got to talk about this. We may get to it next week, but Pacific versus Vancouver Whitecaps at Starlight oh, Stadium. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> We had Marco Busso on Beyond the Pitch talk about how he was desperate to score a goal at BC Place. Clearly just to, you know, get one back at the Whitecaps. But this is a perfect, perfect tie, Charlie. I know you you, you seem pretty pumped for this one, but oh, yeah. I'm just so excited for this game, man. This is a game that we've wanted since the beginning of the CPL, right? Yeah. Like, this is, this is a fixture, a matchup that I think Pacific especially have wanted for, you know, probably three years now. Just think about how many guys on the Pacific roster used to be Whitecaps in the academy or or the first team or the second team, or even Pamadou Ka was, you know, a very important player for the Whitecaps not even that long ago. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, very excited for that. Okay, before we go, we'll do a campiel.ca predictor. Go to campiel.ca slash predictor to play, win points, win prizes. Uh, and we're going to play a little bit here to give you a bit of a heads, head start on it. Valor versus Pacific. I'm going to go with Benedict. What's the score in this one on Monday night? I'm going to go for the upset. I'll say 2-1 to Valor. Interesting. I mean, that's possible. Okay. Ottawa <laughs> versus York United at TD Place. Another game at home for Atleti. Uh, Charlie, Mista vibes or no Mista vibes? Oh, oh, I guess he, I he think, might be suspended for this one. I don't know. Yeah, this is this is be a uh, Ajay Cabra vibes, I think. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, I think I think they keep it rolling. I think they keep it rolling. I think this is three one for Ottawa. Let's go! I would love that. Okay, uh, Brady Pacific <laughs> against Cavalry. The reverse of what the the match we were just talking about last week uh, at Starlight Stadium. What's the result out of this one? Don't say nil nil. Not no no. I'm I'm not gonna be that guy. I'll go I'll go two one Pacific. Okay. So you're saying are you saying that this is gonna be a good game to watch? That's a lot of I pressure, so. but I will take that on. I'll say <laughs> okay, there we go. There we go. Direct your, your your complaints directly to Brady. Okay, and then finally on the Sunday, this is an interesting one. Forge versus the Halifax Wanderers. Uh, at Tim Hortons Field. Um, Benedict, give us your best result of this one. Uh, I guess. think Ford will I think Ford will take this one. I'll, I'll go for 2-0. That's interesting. Yeah, It'll be a I tough mean, one I, for Forge coming back from El Salvador. 
Yeah, exactly. And I feel like Halifax might be hungry. Something that maybe to keep an eye out for the Canadian Championship this week is how much teams rotate. I know Edmonton rotated quite a bit on, on Sunday. Just depends on the coach's preference, right? Maybe they don't want to make a run. Who knows? Maybe Stephen Hart rotates against Blainville, gets a result, and then beats the heck out of Forge at Tim Hortons Field. <laughs> no, I doubt that. Okay, we'll be back. Uh, we'll be back again next week to recap the games. As always, be sure to check out Beyond the Pitch with Christian Jack. Uh, now four episodes in your podcast feed. Lots of great conversations. If you haven't already delved into them, uh, go ahead and check those out. The last one with Kyle Becker, again, can't recommend that enough. That was fantastic. He likes uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. He mentioned, he mentioned that. He also likes the nachos. So there's lots more past that. I just remember those two details. A couple of great things. What's not to like? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, we'll be back next week to recap the games. Again, Monday tonight, as we're recording this, Valor versus Pacific FC on one soccer. Tuesday, we've got the Canadian Championship with Halifax and Blainville. And then right after that, we have CONCACAF League. Forge looking to advance again, uh, moving on through the Continental Competition.